Every day she turns a new page. What we invest in our kids will be passed on to theirs. Hey, good morning. Okay, so we're landing this series that we've been uh, talking about, uh, Better Parent by Sunday, and uh, just kind of saying, what, what does it mean to bring what we've said together, all together, leave this place equipped, ready to go make a difference in how we lead and do family. And, and you get that this thing that we've been talking about, this responsibility, this job that we've got is daunting. I mean, this is, this is big, guys, if you stop for a moment and just think about it. You, you and I are trying desperately to equip our kids with good, biblical, godly values. In the midst of that, we're trying to navigate healthy marriages and, and be able to model for our kids so they can look and say, man, if I could just aspire to love my wife the way my dad loves my mom or to honor my husband the way my mom honors my dad. and We're trying to balance work and play and healthy schedules in the midst of all that. We're trying to give our kids uh, equipment, the ability to go out in life and leave home. Remember? Leave home. <clears throat> We're trying to instill in our children transcendent values, the idea that says, look, there are just some things that are always right, and there are some things that are always wrong. And no matter what culture is saying, no matter what anybody else is telling you, this is always the right thing, and this is always the wrong thing, and to have them prepared and equipped to be able to navigate clearly through moments that look fuzzy and gray. Wouldn't it be great if you and I had some help? Wouldn't it be great if you and I weren't trying to tackle this on our own? I mean, how cool would it be if culture stepped up and said, hey, we're going to help you parent? If, if before they uh, produced a movie, they stopped and said, how could we help homes better equip their children? How could we reinforce family values in our movie? Uh, as, as they were uh, writing a song, if they said, we're only going to put words in here that support parents within our words. If, if TV producers, when they're producing a TV show, said, look, look, as we write the script, let's write a script that's going to help parents teach and train and equip their kids. Can you, can you imagine married with children teaching family values? Al Bundy teaching family values. On second thought, he does, doesn't he? What if our government, before they made a law, would say, look, we're only going to make laws that support and uphold the home. But before we do, let's pray about this, before we, and, and let's make sure that we are supporting mom and dad. What, what if in uh, our school system, 
They said, look, we're, we're, we're going to teach those values which most directly. And guys, look, believe me, I support our school system. I, I, was, I went to public school. My son went to public school. My mom was a teacher in public school for 30 years. We've got teachers in this room who, praise God, are absolute beacons of light within our public school system. But how cool if the handcuffs were taken off? How cool if you could say what you really need to say to the classroom? And if you stop and think about it, it doesn't take long. What if, what if our work, what if work said, you know what, no, 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 go home. I know the job's not done. I know there's a lot to do. I know the big deal's coming up, but you know what, family first. What if someone out there was helping on the ding? But if you and I really, really pause and think about the moment, not only are we trying to land a monumental effort, but in the midst of that, we've got all sorts of things stacked against us. It seems in some ways all of culture is pushing against what you and I are trying to accomplish as parents. And, and, it, and at times it seems like you and I are pushing back as hard as we can, but we've got roller skates on our feet. And if you and I pause for a second, if you and I let up for a second, we'll just get swept away because there's so much momentum in the other direction. It's a big job. So how do you tackle a job like this in a culture like this? It's interesting because the children of Israel constantly had to address and answer this question. And a matter of fact, if you ever read the Old Testament, I just want to encourage you, read your Bibles because there's amazing, amazing, amazing wisdom there and amazing truth. You want to dig in and read the stories of the Old Testament. Israel tackles this challenge over and over again and sometimes succeeds and sometimes fails at pushing back on the culture. There's moments when they say, no, 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 no. We are the children of God. We will not do that. And then there are moments when they are swept over and overwhelmed, and they look just like everybody else, just like every other kingdom. And a matter of fact, there's a moment just like that that happens in Scripture where God comes back and says, look, if you're going to ever succeed at this, if you're ever going to make ground, if you're ever going to get this thing going in the right direction, here's what you need to do. So grab your Bibles this morning and go with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the front of your Bible, it's not that hard to find. It's the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. So as you're going there, let me give you a little bit of background on what's happening in this moment. Moses has just led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Ten plagues, remember all that stuff, came across the desert. Charleston Heston stood there at the Red Sea and raised the staff. Remember the moment? Okay. And they've made it. Well, the, the second half of this, and we don't always get it in the story, it wasn't just that we get out of Egypt. God said, then I've got some ground I need you to take. We're going we're gonna to go forward, and what I need you, we're going to cross the Jordan River. There's a bunch of people there that don't live for me. You're going to go claim the land. Think about the You're going to go claim the land that's been taken. You're going to claim the territory that's been taken. The children of Israel in that moment, as they're thinking about it, say, well, I'll tell you, let's, let's, let's send some spies in. Let's take a look and see how practical this is. And they send 12 spies. The spies come back. Scripture says they came back with a bad report. They, they said, indeed, uh, man, this is a land of milk and honey. I mean, wow, God led us to, like, amazing. Problem is there's giants. 
and we just can't possibly do it. And you find a moment in which they looked at the culture, they looked at other, and they just said, our God's not big enough, we're not strong enough. See, they forgot who their God was, they forgot who they were, and they said, See, you realize every time you and I forget who you and I are, every time we forget who God is, every time you and I go passive, you and I will be overwhelmed. There were two spies who'd gone in the land. One of them was a young, young man by the name of Joshua who looked at the crowd and said, guys, we can do this. We can do it. Remember who you are. Remember who your God is. Well, I don't care how big that chat. We can do it. And they took a boat that day. And the boat went the wrong way. The boat was, nah. No. God, in response, said to those who voted no, You'll never see the promised land. You'll never get the. You will wander for the next 40 years in the wilderness until you all die off. All of you that voted no, you will die off. You will never again have this opportunity because you forgot who I was, before, because you forgot who you were. And then he says, but... 40 years from today, get this moment, 40 years from today, your children will stand at this same Jordan River, and I will ask your children the same question I just asked you, will you go forward? And your children need to give me a better answer than you just gave. In other words, your children need to be better than you which is an interesting conversation because part of what we've been saying through this entire parenting series is how cool would it be, how great, how well would you have I landed this thing of family and parenting if we could finish and say, my kids are better than me. My kids love God with greater fervor. They serve him with greater faithfulness. My kids are better than I was when I was their age. We said, man, that would, that would be the win. And in this moment, God says to the children of Israel, when I bring your children back to this moment, when I stand them here 40 years from now, they need to give me a better answer than you just gave. And then he goes on and describes how to help their kids be prepared to be better than them. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here's what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Push them into your children's lives. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You get what he's saying? He's saying, look, look, I, you want to help your kids be better? You need to create a counterculture. You, you need to create a sense of identity for your children that says... Look, 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 I don't care what they all do. I don't, I don't care how big the giants are. I don't care what the rest of cultures do. I don't care. 
I don't belong to the culture. I'm not them. You know what God's really saying? Create a family identity that simply says this, look, look, I don't know what your friends are doing. I don't know what everybody else at school is doing. I don't care. You're a Jones, and Joneses serve God, period. Okay? And he's saying if, if you want your kids to have a better answer, then create within your home a counterculture, a family identity that just says this is who the Smiths are. Now ask the question. Because because I'm a Smith, I already know the answer. I'm a Smith. And Smiths serve God. It's a family identity. Years ago, when Josh was still in school, I, a lot of times I ended up driving. The way Lisa's and my schedule worked out, I was leaving for the office about the time Josh needed school, so I drove him more often than not. And as I would drop Josh off at school, here's what I would say to him probably three, four days a week as he got out of the car. Hey, Josh? Yeah? Remember who you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 Josh. Who are you? A winter's. Okay. That's a hard sell, guys, I'm telling you. Okay. You get the moment. It's not, hey, you're a pastor's kid. You're a Winters. And then I would say to him, Josh, and what do Winters do? They serve God. Now, guys, guys, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details. You know one of the reasons I had to say that is because the Winters family history before this generation was disastrous. And my son knew, and he had heard loud and clear, and because we had told the story, that we were starting a new winter's identity. And here's what I knew. I knew my son was getting ready to walk off into high school, to walk off into a culture that was going to tell him a whole bunch of things that were counter what we were trying to instill in his life. He was going to get all sorts of pressure and all sorts of temptation. And I was saying to him, when all that comes, when all that misinformation pushes in your life, you remember one thing. I'm a Winters. And Winters serve God. And if you'll do that, you'll be able to navigate today. That's cool. So here's what I want to ask you. How do you create a family identity? How do you create a family culture? So that when that moment comes, your child says, no, 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 no. I'm a Higginbotham Reamer Rhymer Smith, and this is what Higginbotham Reamer Rhymer Smiths do. So we're going to do that. Three questions, three places we're going to take you today to help you begin this process of doing a family identity. Now, here's what we did. This is a little bit different. We gave you, for, we don't hardly ever do that, we gave you a sheet of paper because I'm going to ask you to do homework. I'm going to ask you to leave this place, take what we've talked about, and you've got to talk about it again. You've got to get with your wife, you've got to get with your husband, and you've got to say, how, here's the three questions Lynn asked, how are we doing and do we need to do some work to create a family identity, a family culture? And if you don't, if you leave this room and, and you just say, oh, that was nice, and, and don't do the homework, today's message will be absolutely worthless. You've got to do the homework. So right there at the top it says, the blank family. Just put your family name in there. The Jones family. 
the Higginbotham, Reamer, Imer, Smith family. Okay? And then we're going to ask the three questions. Question number one, as you and I try to create a family identity, do our entertainment choices honor God? In other words, what I choose to watch, what I choose to be entertained by, what I choose to laugh at, what I choose to pay money so I can see, do those things honor God? Would they pass the Philippians 4 test? Some of you are not familiar, so grab your Bibles. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. If you're not real familiar with your Bibles, if you just go to the back cover, start working to the left, you're not going to go that far. Don't go too awful fast. It's a small book. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Here's what it simply says. You ready? This is a screen. God just says, look, when you get ready to make it, this is a screen you run your choices through. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Which simply means I think you and I got to say, what is this that I'm getting ready to look at, laugh at, pay money for? Is it lovely, admirable, truthful, pure? Before I do it. And I think even more than just saying, you know, how many cuss words are in this show or how many people are taking off their clothes. I think there's a second layer to say, and what is the show teaching? What is the song propagating? Because you get, there may be a moment where you go, hey, no one got naked. But they still taught that premarital sex leads you to fulfillment and happiness, and all the cool kids are. And the only ones who aren't are the losers who can't get a date. No one took their clothes off. But is that really a value I want to promote in my home? See, no, they didn't use the F word 20 times, but they taught, if you watch real closely, that if you lie and if you steal and if you manipulate, that's the quickest road to success. Hmm. Not just what they're saying, but what are they teaching? Now, look, guys, here's the deal. I get it. I get it. Some of you are going, unplug the TV now! Because if you think, I mean, what are you even going to watch? I'm not, I'm not, guys, guys, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Matter of fact, one of the reasons I'm not telling you specific TV shows and one reason I'm not telling you names of movies is because at the end of the day, you've got to figure this out. God left this to you as parents, and you've got to put your head on and say, what is it? that I'm willing for my family to watch, to see, and be exposed to? What, what is that that will not overwhelm them and completely countermand and counteract what I've been teaching? What am I comfortable with in doing that? What am I comfortable in my kids seeing me watch when they wake up in the middle of the night and walk around the corner? 
and, and maybe, maybe an easier way to process this moment is simply this. I just think there are certain things that you and I have no business laughing at. I just think there are certain things that are so hurtful to the heart of God that you and I shouldn't pay money to see. You figure that out. Maybe this helps a little bit. I was at a family gathering a while back, and while we were there, some of the family members said, hey, have you seen such and such movie? And I went, no, you know, I was a little worried when it went to the theater. I don't know. I, we just didn't, never made it. They said, oh, it's the funniest movie you've ever seen in your life. I'm going, well, good. Put it in. Let's go. So here I am. We're sitting all family reunion style sitting around, and they put, Wah! man, my eyeballs are burning out of my head. They're, they're talking, there's they're sensual, sensual, double-meaning stuff like every second word out of their mouth. And everybody's laughing. Everybody's laughing. That's, the humor is that very thing that hurts the heart of God. Can, can I tell you a proud moment as a dad? I, I looked over and saw my son. He wasn't laughing. See, I, we were watching the same show. I was in the room. I wasn't standing up and preaching, thou shalt not, you're going to hell right now. I, yeah, we weren't doing that. We just weren't laughing. We just simply chose, because we were the Winters family, and the Winters family honors God, not to take joy and pleasure in something that would have hurt the heart of God. Now, I'm pretty sure the only reason Josh did it was because I was in the room, but I was still proud, Okay. <laughs> And you and I, you and I have to make those choices. I had a, I had a dad the other day told me this story about his daughter. He goes, he goes you know, we, we're pretty, we take a look and it, it, we're not trying to keep our daughter from seeing anything. We get it, but we just try to monitor it. We just take proactive responsibility for what she's going to see. We get she's going to see some things that would not be the great, but we know it when it happens. So she'd gone off to the movie with her friends and they got there, they got there a few minutes late and and so now they decided they were too late to go see that movie, so now they're optioning for, you know, option number two. And so she, very obediently, wonderfully, calls up, says, Dad, hey, first movie already started, it's too late, we're going to go see this movie. Which my friend said, you know, Lynn, at first pass, I, I thought it was probably okay, we just hadn't had a chance to research it yet, and we've made a commitment in our home, we're not going to send our kids into a room or an environment that we don't at least kind of know what they're getting into. And so he said to his daughter, hey, hang on just a second. I'll have your mother look it up on the internet, see, see what it's all about. To which her daughter's going, she's got to hurry, she's got to hurry, she's got to hurry. All my friends are buying tickets. All their parents, all my friends are all buying tickets right now, right now, and I'm not even lying. So mom's plinking away, trying to find it on the internet. All of a sudden, the daughter says back on the phone, you got to hurry, I'm going to tell me what's happening. Hurry! i got to have an answer now. To which my friend simply said on the phone, if you have to have an answer now, my answer is no! <laughs> His daughter texted back, you've ruined my life. <laughs> now his wife's all going, oh, no, no. But she's all worried about it. She says, what, 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 do I, what do I say back to her? And my friend said, type this, good. I have finished my job as a parent. 
See, you get, guy, you get that this is going to put you and me in a position of not necessarily always being the most popular because we're all going to get the, but everybody else is. But not the Joneses. Not the Smiths. Because we're not everybody else. And guys, 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 your kids don't need another friend. They're going to have thousands of friends in their lifetime. They need a parent. Which means every once in a while, you're going to be the most hated person on earth. <laughs> hey, just to be practical, just for you guys, in case you want it, the website you can go to is a website called pluggedinmagazine.com. They will tell you how many times a word shows up in a movie. They will tell you how many times people take off their clothes in the movie. They will tell you how many times they do drugs in the movie. And then you decide. You decide. You decide. Are we okay? Pluggedinmagazine.com. Second question. First question is, do my entertainment choices honor God? Second one, do we discuss family values? Do we discuss family values. You get, you get that the culture constantly discusses their values. The culture is constantly pushing their values in the direction of your family. It's why you and I have to push back. It's why you and I have to say, no, 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 that's not the truth. That's not accurate. That's not how life really works. See, because constantly you and I are being told, hey, everyone does it. And even back in the 1950s when you didn't think, they all did it then too. See, see, culture says, hey, you get it, you get it, that, that the average parent today is really kind of a doofus. Have you watched cartoons recently? Half the cartoons are about you and me being a doofus, and that our kids need to help us learn what real life is like. You, you get that the culture is constantly pushing their values. So I'm just asking you, do you and I consistently, regularly, Give our values. And, and matter of fact, this may surprise I think one of the best ways to give your values is when the culture's pushing theirs. I've got a friend who says, look, here's what we do. We TiVo most of our kids' shows so that when they're watching, we can push pause. And we can say in the midst, whoa, 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 did you see what just happened? How would that stand up against the Joneses' family values, and how would that stand up against Scripture? So it's not that my kids never see any. I just help my kids navigate what they see. And I reinforce my family values. Standing in line at a grocery store years and years ago, and there was that family. In, you know which family I'm talking about. That family was in front of us at the cash register, and little Johnny had said, hey, uh, Mommy, I want a pack of gum, to which Mommy said, no, 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 Johnny, we've already got like twink. We have tons of stuff in, in the basket, you don't need another pack of gum, to which Johnny then uh, lodged a complaint. <laughs> and the complaint was never, I mean, the whole store knew that Johnny was le leveraging a complaint, and, and uh, just an, I, you have, ne the kid was dying, I mean, he was dying for lack of a pack of gum, and finally mom gave in, and the kid was still sobbing as they went out, the, the only solace was when the doors closed behind him. I'm standing there with my young son. He watched every moment of it, his little eyes. I saw wheels turning in his head. I thought, oh no, oh no, oh no. 
To which I then turned to my son and I said, uh, hey, um, what, what did you think about what you just saw? He said, that was bad. <laughs> Family values. So you get it? Moment of exposure sometimes are the best moments to give my family values. You're going to have a neighbor who's going to take your kids to a movie you didn't approve. You're going to have a teacher at school say something you would have said never said. You're going to have a nine-year-old tell your kids something about sex you were waiting until they were 21 to tell them. <laughs> it's a great moment for fam that When that exposure happens, you go, whoa, 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 let's push pause. Let's talk about what we just saw. What do the Smiths say about that? What does Scripture say about that? Family identity. I said, Josh, what, 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 what would happen if, if you ever did that? He said, I wouldn't survive. <laughs> Why? Because we don't throw fits. Family value. See, I don't want a five-year-old who throws fits, and I surely don't want a 25-year-old who throws fits. Family values. So here's the deal. Let me just ask you a question. If I were to ask you today and say, okay, so what are your family values? Could you write them down? This is what the Joneses stand for. This is what the Smiths stand for. Could you write them down? Could your kids write them down? That's a great question. And you know what I think a lot of times we do is we, we say to our kids, oh, no, 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 that's wrong. But we've never expressed a family value. We've never said, no, 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 in the Jones household, we don't lie. Now you've set a value. What are your family's values? And so here's what we're going to do. Homework, remember? I'm going to ask you, I, I want you to, if, right on the back, right on the back somewhere, when you meet with your wife, when you meet with your husband, right on the back, these are the six or seven values of the Jones family. And I get that I got you starting from scratch, so let me help you real quick. Let me give you some that you might want to consider. This is just a jump. I don't want to write your family values. I want to help you. Here you go. In the Jones family, Smith family, we only say words that help, not words that hurt. That's important there because you realize we're still going to say the hard word. We're still going to speak the truth. We still may say, hey, but we're going to say it to help. We will never say it to hurt. Boy, I think if you could land that one. In the Jones family, we obey the first time. Not after we throw a fit, not after we scream, not after we slot, we obey mom and dad the first time. We can always appeal, we can always ask, but we obey the first time. In the Jones family, we respect others. It's why when we're out camping in the national park, we don't rip the trails to shreds and throw all the rocks off the trail. We respect that somebody had to do a lot of work to do that before we got there. We respect those who came before us. We respect those who are around us in the immediate right now. It's why we don't run through the lobby and knock over six elderly ladies with their walkers. Because we respect those who are around us. Some of us are going, could you enforce that rule next Sunday? We respect those who come behind us. It's why we clean up our trash. Because if we don't, someone else has to. In the Jones family, we respect others. In the Jones family, we choose God over popularity. I don't care what my friends do. I don't know what everybody else is doing. I don't care what culture is doing. In the Jones family, we choose God over popularity. In the Jones family, we serve others. In the Jones family, we always do our best. 
We may not do it perfect, but we did our best. In the Jones family, we make wise choices. Okay, so just, that's just a start. That's just for you, to, you know, to begin. Do you discuss, do you reinforce your family values? And then third one, real quick. Do we manage time to reflect our devotion to God? You know, Jesus kind of said that. Jesus said, look, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You get what you're in my, in all likelihood, two most important treasures are. The thing that, money, time. So I'm just asking, do you manage your, your time in a way that if I looked at it, if someone else on the outside looked at it, if your children looked at it, it would say, our family chooses to manage their time in a way that reflects our devotion to God. See if I can help a little bit. These gumballs represent a year in the life of a child. Every gumball is an hour. So I'm just asking, how do you and I manage a year? How do you and I manage time? And just to start off, there's stuff that you and I don't have a whole lot of control over. Uh, There's sleep, and just sleep alone, 3,650 hours. You and I don't have a whole lot of choice. That's sleep. Kids got to have it. They're mean when they don't. School. School in an average year is about 1,080 hours. You and I don't have a lot of choice about that. That's what it is. School's about 1,080 hours a year, which means you and I have, for the rest, 3,978 hours at our discretion. 3,978 hours to influence, guide, help our children move in the right direction. Truth be told, much of that, 3,978 hours, we allow culture to speak to our children. Isn't it true if we were going to be... We, we, we let most of these gumballs leave our hands as our kids watch TV, as they stick iPods in their ears, as they head to the movie theater, as they hang with friends. So I'm just, I'm just going to ask, what, what are you and I doing with this opportunity, with 3,978 hours? What are you and I doing with that? Because that's what you and I have discretion. That's, this is where you and I have a chance to say, no, 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 no. I'm going to leverage some time in the Jones family for God. So what are you doing? Statistics tell us that the average family spends less than one hour actually talking, speaking, communicating together a day. See, because you get, you get that when you're sitting there on the internet and your kids are watching TV, that's not family time. That's culture time. You're not influencing them, culture is. And you get when you go to soccer games and, and you're sitting on the side and your kid's out there in the field causing black and blue marks on the other kids, that's not, that's not you're not influencing. Now, on the ride home, if you choose to talk, I mean, actually open your mouth and say something, then that counts. But if you're in the front listening to your station and they're in the back watching their DVD, that's not you influencing. 
The average family spends less than an hour a day directly influencing their child. So let's say you're a good, let's say you're, you're at the top of this. You're spending that full hour every single day without 365 hours. That's all you've borrowed. That's all you've leveraged out of your opportunity. If you're good, if you're better than most. <clears throat> so I'm just going to ask, well, does what you leverage, does where you spend your time reflect a desire to honor God with your time. You realize how different that pot is if you and I just simply said, you know, we're, remember we talked about a date night? What if you also had a family night? In other words, Thursday night is date night. That's when me and my wife, me and my husband go out on a date. What if Tuesday night was family night? You just say, look, we're going to turn off the TV. We're going to play Monopoly together. We're going to, you know, whatever. And you go, Lynn, I can't, I, I, we don't even like each other. Why would we do that? And I get some of you go, Lynn, I, the chaos of the way, busy as we are, and we've already got them in 14 ballerina practices. We, all right, what if you just did it on Sunday? What if you just said, okay, on Sunday, we're going to take Sunday afternoon after the football games are over. <laughs> Spend three, four hours Sunday afternoon, we'll turn off the TV, we'll just be a family. No iPods, no internet. We'll be a family. Do you realize just that one simple decision significantly changes, and, and you get what we're doing, in that very moment, you and I are stealing from here. You and I want to steal from here, and giving ourselves more gumballs. One evening, one afternoon, just in family time. Church. Remember that whole list of things we said, boy, wouldn't it be great if the government helped? Wouldn't it be great if TV programmers thought about the family? And, and we said, let's just be honest, that's not happening. You realize you've got one ally in this game. Church. We're the ones saying, obey mom and dad, follow God, stand against the cross. We're with you in this. If your child has perfect attendance in the year, perfect attendance, how many, how many families in here say last year we attended Every single Sunday, never miss. Perfect attendance. Good. Okay. Good. It's an honest crowd. <clears throat> if you had perfect attendance, 52 gumballs. Probably not enough. And... and you get, that's why we have midweek programming here for your kids. <laughs> that, that's why on Tuesday nights, on Wednesday nights, we're saying, look, look, come on back. Bring your kids back. You might even want to go sit in a class yourself. Come on back. Give us, give us a chance to help you. And if you simply did that, if you simply said, okay, hey, look, my kids are going to be in Kaboom on Tuesday nights. My kids are going to be in youth group on Wednesday nights. Then you and I steal... <laughs> from the culture, that much more influence. So I'm just asking, do my choices with time reflect my devotion to God? Let's land it, because I'm out of time. 
40 years later, the children of Israel, the children of the parents who said no, say yes. And they go into the promised land. Interesting thing happens, though, after they get there. They begin to look at the neighboring nations and they begin to see the lifestyles those people have. And all of a sudden, the culture of the neighboring kingdoms begins to infiltrate Israel. And before you know it, they begin to lose ground and they start looking like the culture. In that moment, a man, a man by the name of Joshua, remember him? The guy at the beginning who said, we can do this, we can do this, and nobody listened, stands up once again and says, and you don't have to go there, but if you want to see it sometime, it's in the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Here's what Joshua says in that moment when they're losing ground, when they've lost their identity, they've forgotten who they are, they've forgotten who God is. But Joshua says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the God your forefathers served beyond the river. Remember, your, God, your forefathers, your parents who copped out. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. You ready? Here it is. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You think that guy's got a family identity? That without blinking, without pause, he stands up on that day and says, I don't know what the rest of you guys are doing, but let me tell you what it means to be a Joshua. Let me tell you what it means to be in the Joshua clan. We serve the Lord. How cool would it be some evening to have your daughter come walking in from a date a little bit early? And you say, hey, well, how did it go? And she says, you know, not that great. He said, well, what happened? He says, well, he was putting a lot of pressure on me. And you say, well, what did you say to him? I said, I'm a smith. And smiths serve God. So my answer is no. Wouldn't that be a great conversation? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, Help us, help us, help us. Help us to get that if we live this life in this moment and this time passively, our kids will pay. That, that part, of the, part of the land is for them to know who the Smith family is. To create a family identity that says, I don't know about anybody else. I don't know what's going on in the cult. I don't care. But Smiths, Smiths serve God. That's who we are. That is, that is our family identity. It's what it means to be a smith. God, help us. Help us to do our homework. In Jesus' precious name.